Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, so as I look around the room, I see shorts and flip-flops, uh, pajamas, and underwear, and I'm wearing a shirt and tie. We're all ready. Uh, I hope you've uh, had a great week. Uh, God bless you for trying to be a part of our worship assembly at the Bell Shoals Church of Christ, soon to be Creekside. We're a family of believers dedicated to worshiping God the Father in spirit and truth, sharing Christ Jesus with the world around us, seeing lives transformed in a positive way as we all get involved in works of service and the Holy Spirit works upon our heart and our life. Uh, we've been uh, started last week a new series uh, about Own the Mission Spiritual Money Management. Uh, it was about flourishing in care and service to other people. Today, we're on the subject of uh, On the Mission, the spiritual money management idea of learning to care and serve uh, with contentment while you're being content with what you have and learning to serve and to care for other people. Uh, before we get any further, though, if you would uh, join with me in a word of prayer. Holy Father, uh, we come to you because we have no other, and at times like this, we certainly need you, Father. We pray that as we study together today that you'll bless us and help us to learn to be good stewards, Father, to care and to serve and to share with other people, to flourish in that capacity, even in times like this, Father. We pray that you'd help us to learn to be people of unity and love and peace and respect and tolerance, people of faith, Father. Help us to learn to be contented with what we have. And we pray, Father, that it will not be many days now that we'll all be back together again. Thank you so much. At least we have this venue, Father, and we are grateful for it. And we thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Now, as we said, this is like the <clears throat> second in this series on um, money management related to the on the mission thing as we've just come up on the new year of our giving toward our new building, which of course you can see is going up on Lithia Pinecrest. And we just praise the Lord for that. Been a lot of things happening this week. You should get a chance to take a look at that. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, it is a difficult subject when you combine this idea of helping others and serving and caring for others when you yourself are struggling. And so that's the reason we're mixing in this idea of contentment. And so here's a good question for you. Where do they make contentment? The answer is in the saddest factory. So that's where they make contentment. We are to learn today uh, about contentment at the same time, while we're trying, trying to learn to care and to share for other people, getting what you want may not give you what you want. Let me share with you a couple of stories. There was a pilot who often flew, after he became a pilot, often flew over the Appalachian Mountains. And his co-pilot noticed that over a certain section, he would always kind of tip the plane and looked down into this area, and then he'd fly on. Co-pilot didn't say anything for a long time. Finally said to him one day, I noticed you look down at a certain section of the mountains every time we fly over. What's going on? Why are you doing that? He said, well, when I was a boy, there's a stream down there that I used to fish in, and it was just what I did all the time. 
And whenever a plane would go over, I would look up at that plane and think, man, that's what I want to be doing in my life. I want to be flying an airplane. He says, now I fly over that same place and I think, man, I wish I was down there fishing. That's our problem. Can we be happy with what we think we want when we finally get it? There was an eagle was noticed by an adventurer flying along and it flew down and it grabbed what apparently was a weasel. And it grabbed it in its talons and began to fly up. As it started up, though, weasels can bite. I mean, they're ferocious. And it bit into the chest of the eagle. And not long after it got it in the air, the eagle folded up its wings and fell to the ground. And the weasel ran away. Sometimes you get what you think you want, and it virtually destroys you. Are you sure what you want? is what you want. Uh, There was a devout Quaker watching his neighbor unload, his new neighbor just moving in, unloading all of his stuff. And he noticed he had every kind of electronic device you could imagine. It was just, I mean, the Quaker never had any of these things. And so he watches him unload thing after thing after thing. Finally, the Quaker next door called out to him and he says, If you find that you're lacking anything, neighbor, let me know, and I'll show you how to live without it. That's something we all need to learn to do, don't you think? Maybe we need to learn to not want, to not have everything we think we want. Are you sure you want what you already have? There was a a well-known preacher, but he was a young fellow. He was like 20, 21 years old, learning still to maybe be a preacher. He wasn't sure if that was what he's going to be. Very smart guy, good-looking, gifted guy. He could speak, and everybody loved to hear him speak. And he was at Oxford University, and he came from a Christian environment, but he was a bit of a snob, and he had never learned humility, and he <clears throat> thought he was pretty sharp. One day, he was talking to a poor porter, and he didn't show him proper respect. He discovered after talking to the porter for a moment that the porter had only one coat and he lived in such depraved conditions that he didn't even have a bed to sleep on. And the young man thoughtlessly kind of joked with him, says, and what else do you thank God for? Because the porter had been talking like he was grateful for what he had. And the porter took this so well. He took it in a spirit of meekness and he smiled and he said, uh, I thank the Lord that he's given me life and being and to have a heart that loves him and above all, a constant desire just to serve him. Well, it's shame the preacher. You know, maybe we need to learn to appreciate what we do have, no matter what it is. Maybe that's the trick to contentment. Contentment is learning that kind of thing, and you have to learn it. It's kind of like learning a positive outlook when everything's going wrong. The scriptures teach us to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And then 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10 says, As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, 
and yet possessing all things. You see, if you're a child of God, it all belongs to you. Oh, you can't use it all. But since God owns everything, guess who else owns everything? All of his kids. So learning such things is hard, though. And it's harder still to care and to serve while you're trying to be content. It's hard to take care of someone and do good for others and serve and give and bless when you're struggling just to be content with what you got. So I want to give you three of the hardest truths, I suppose, on this whole subject in learning to care and serve with contentment. And that, that'll be the lesson today. The, the first thing that I want you to see, and if this is all comes, again, our text is Philippians 4, beginning with verse 10. If so if you have your Bibles, Philippians 4, we're going to be reading 10, 11, 12, and 13. Uh, verse 10 says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. We need to learn to do without, with contentment, when caring and serving. Let me say that again. We need to learn to do without, with contentment, when caring and and serving others. You see, we need to learn that sometimes we're not going to have the opportunity. We need to do without the greatest opportunities. Uh, that's the idea, but you lacked opportunity. We must learn to care and share with contentment when we lack great opportunities. You say, well, I never had the opportunity to do that thing. That's okay. That doesn't mean that you can't learn to care and to serve even when you don't have great opportunities. And we need to learn to care and to serve with contentment without liquidity, without the money to do great things. You say, well, I just don't have the money to really help anybody. Philippians 4 and verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need. So it's not that somebody has to put money in somebody's pocket every time, but we need to learn to give what we have. In Acts chapter 3, uh, the apostles are going up to the temple to pray. It's the hour of prayer. And what happens is, is that there's a man there who's lame. And Peter says to him, well, silver and gold, the man was asking for alms. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. And he reached down, and in the name of Jesus, he healed him. The man leaped up running and jumping. Let me explain to you just at this simple point, and that is you may think what you need to give is your money to bless somebody, and that might be the worst thing you could do. Imagine if Peter had given him money and not held. Which would you rather have? If you couldn't walk, would you rather have money or would you rather have your legs? Me. I want my legs. And so it's hard to learn to do without, with contentment, when caring and serving, but we all need to learn to do without. We without this great of opportunity to do great things, and without the liquidity to do great things. The second little lesson that's found in this text, which is really important, is found in verses eleven and twelve, when it says, "We must learn basically to not only to care and to serve, but to do it with contentment." wherever the necessity. Listen to verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in 
whatever state I am to be connected, wherever I am and whatever state I'm in. So wherever you are, some people say, well, I don't live there. I can't do anything. I'm not in that country. I'm not in that location to do something. But we must learn to care and to serve with contentment, even when it's just across the street or it's around the world. We need to be willing to step up. We must learn to care and to serve with contentment wherever the locality. Philippians 4 goes on to say in verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. So we have to learn contentment everywhere. Well, I don't live in the big mansion. Well, that might actually hinder you from doing some things. Well, I'm not in a position of power everywhere across the street or around the world. So it's hard to learn to do wherever with contentment when caring and serving. The third little lesson that I think is critical, it's found here in verses 12 and 13, is we need to be learning to do whatever with contentment when caring and serving. We must learn to care and to serve with contentment whatever the superfluity, whatever the abundance, whatever the excess we might have. He says in verse 12, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This abounding, this superfluity, we need to learn that when we have a lot, maybe we can do a lot. So if we have an abundance, maybe that's the thing we need to learn. You say, well, I, I don't want to give it all up. That's that's one of the problems. Rich young ruler, remember? He struggled with giving up when he had an abundance. That's one of the problems. That's why contentment is learning to do it when you have an abundance, when there's a superfluity and an excess amount. That's when you need to learn contentment and to do and to serve and to care. But also we need to learn to care and to serve with contentment, whatever the delinquency. If we are struggling to make our bills, if you have a bill that you haven't paid, and that could be really the case right now for people listening, uh, you've failed to pay. You can't even pay your bills right now. What do you do then? Paul's been there. Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. See, he'd been hungry. He'd been where he couldn't afford what he had, both to abound and to suffer need. Have you ever suffered need? You ever had your lights cut off? And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Failure to pay a debt does not, does not mean I'm off responsibility now. I'm fine. I don't have any responsibility to the Lord now because I can't even pay my bills. Really? Is that is that all that you can do for the Lord is money? And so because you don't have money, you can't do. Well, that's like the rich guy. Well, I have too much money. I don't want to give it up. It's the same thing. So there are other ways to serve and other ways to care that are far greater than money. On the other hand, those of you who have an abundance, that is a great way if you could learn to be content with what you got, 
and to let go of it. So it's hard to learn to do whatever with contentment, isn't it, when caring and serving? So here's the lesson. These are really hard. Learning to care and serve with contentment involves learning to do without, learning to do wherever, and learning to do whatever is needed. That's a hard thing to learn. And that's the reason Paul said, I had to learn it. It's not easy. It isn't something we're born with. We don't naturally do this. Contentment is, oh, well, people may do it, but I don't mean they're content to do it. Contentment while you're doing that is hard for us all. The apostle Paul had to learn to be content. You and I have to learn to be content and still care and serve other people, especially at times like this. Are you content right now? You're boxed into your house. You can't content with that. You see what I mean? It's not easy, is it? So you say, oh, I'm content. Well, really, are you? And, and this is made harder when we're trying to be content and to care and to serve other people that sometimes, in some ways, may have it better than you. Well, why should I help them? Well, because they don't have what you have when it comes to Christ. So if you're a Christian, the greatest thing you can do is share Christ. So that may be the way you serve them. And it's even made harder still in trying to care and to serve a church, say, if you want to get involved in ministry, uh, especially if you're young. I remember I was 21 when I was going into full-time ministry. I mean, I turned 21 the month after I started with the church. It was not the easiest thing to learn because, well, one thing, I wasn't all that friendly, I don't think. I'm so friendly now. But it was it was not something that I wasn't that gregarious. My wife was, but not so much me. And, and I had to learn to be content with less. And some of you, like, say, work with Foundation Christian Academy and others do good things like that. And if you're in various ministries, you need to prepare yourself if you haven't entered those ministries, but you might want to do it because you got to prepare you're probably not going to have what other people have. That's just part of the decision that you're going to make. You're never going to have. So you might even expect some financial desperation. Uh, Willard Kelly Fay uh, of Winter Haven, Florida, wrote a song way back in 1991 that has been kind of a favorite of mine. And what's interesting to me about her story is that she wrote this song called Hidden Valleys, which is about learning to deal with difficulties, particularly doing ministry, and finding the joy in that uh, when nobody's paying attention, doesn't even see you doing any good at all. And maybe they don't even think you're doing anything, and you're not even sure you're getting anything done for the Lord. So are learning that, and yet <clears throat> in the middle of that, having really a hard time, and yet still doing the right thing and, and carrying on. Well, it's interesting that her life actually got harder. In 2004, both her parents died, and her 29-year marriage ended, and her 18-year-old daughter uh, committed suicide after a struggle with severe depression. Now, So that's after she wrote this song, which Steve Green, as well, learned it. But she wrote it, and it was in her album called For, Garden, For the Garden. And uh, Steve Green included it in we believe, and this is the words, in a hidden valley just over a hill, a young shepherd boy surrenders his will. As he lifts his voice and prays to his king, only the lambs will hear and follow as he sings. 
in a hidden valley, a faithful one leads. No one looking on, he cares for their needs, for he knows the one who tries the heart, so he is steadfast and content to do his part. Hidden valleys produce a life song. Hidden valleys will make a heart strong. Desperation can cause you to sing. Hidden valleys turn shepherds to kings. In a hidden valley, a leader is born. He has faced the fierce and weathered the storm. So with humble heart and love for his God, he becomes royalty with just a staff and rod. Hidden valleys produce a life song. Hidden valleys will make a heart strong. Desperation, and you will see it if you get involved in ministry, desperation can cause you to sing. Hidden valleys turn shepherds to kings. If you could just learn that it is those desperate times like now, that actually is what you will treasure in the hereafter. If you could just learn to be content where you are and still do for others, that's the time to do it. When supplies are less, when the situation is harder, when everything is wrong for you to do anything but just take care of you, that's that's the moment that you will remember that you stepped forward and you cared and you served. As we enter this second year of On the Mission, there will be people who have not been involved in our thing that might want to get involved, but you may want to think, well, this is not the right time. I understand that. That's the challenge, isn't it? There was a guy named uh, Russell Herman Conwell. He was the first president of Temple University. He used to go around making this speech called Acres of Diamonds. He, he says he gave the speech some 5,000 times. <clears throat> and in that, he tells about when he was younger, when he was younger and he was studying the Bible and archaeology and stuff like that, he, he was traveling down the uh, Tigris River, studying probably uh, Noah's Ark. And in the middle of all that, uh, there was this, uh, he had this guide, and this guide watching him told him a story about Ali Hafed and his farm. And he was trying to teach this professor, Conwell, and so he said, Ollie had this very large farm. You know, it had orchards, it had grain fields, it had gardens, it had animals. He had a most wonderful, he was wealthy and he was a contented man. And then one day a visitor came to his farm and began to tell him about diamonds that he had seen. And he said that if Ollie just had some diamonds, he would be the wealthiest man in the world. So Ali thought about that. He prayed about that. He slept on that. He, he got to thinking he became obsessed with the idea of diamonds. So he ended up selling his farm and traveling the world, trying to find these diamonds. In the process of time, he spent everything he had. He became impoverished to the point that he finally committed suicide. But the man who bought Ali Hafed's farm was one day taking his camel down to the stream. And as the camel stuck his nose in the water, he noticed something glistening. He reached down and pulled it up, and it was a shiny rock. He, A friend of his, a visitor, saw it in his house later, and he said, that's a diamond. And to this day, that became the Golgonda 
diamond mine, one of the largest diamond mines in the history of the world in India. So now his story was trying to teach this professor, maybe you should stay home and be happy with what you got. It was a good lesson, but Conwell turned around and told him a story. And he said, well, he heard that there was this man on the big farm in um, California, and he had heard that in Southern California, they had discovered gold. So he sold his farm to Colonel Sutter, and he went off looking for gold in Southern California, and he was never seen again. But at Colonel Sutter's farm, uh, he put up a mill on the creek that they had to mill wood. And his daughter had gone down to the creek and had brought back some sand and they were sitting in front of the fireplace one day and she was just letting it pour through her fingers. And a visitor noticed that it was something glistening in there. Turned out it was gold. Turned out that the farm was full of gold. Millions of dollars worth of gold are taken out of that little stream at Colonel Sutter's farm where the man had sold it to go off to find gold. The, the lesson from both of those stories is, you know, maybe you've got the gold you need right now. Maybe you need don't need to go keep looking for something. Maybe there's not something out there that you just got to have. Maybe that's the problem with all of us. Maybe we need to learn to do what we can with what we've got right here, right now. Maybe I need to learn to be the person who, I don't know, if I was in city works, better streets, better sidewalks, better schools. Maybe that's greatness. Just doing what I can with what I have. Maybe just helping people be a little happier, making people smile. Just do what I can with what I have right now. Maybe just bring a little more civilization, a little more God to the situation, a little better attitude to it. Being and doing what I can with what I have right here where I am. Being a good citizen with what I can where I have it right now. Having a better home, doing right here, right now what I can. That's called greatness. When you just do the best you can and you become a blessing where you are right now, that's greatness. So that's the lesson today. It isn't about doing some fabulous work. It is about doing what you can, caring and serving where you are without opportunities that are great, without money, wherever you are, across the street or around the world, whatever you can do, uh, start now, start where you have, learn to be content right now. And one of the best ways to learn to be content is in the middle of it. Now, don't forget what Paul was doing. He was doing nothing but caring and sharing and serving everybody else. He went through hard times, but he kept caring and serving other people. That's how he learned. So in the middle of hard times, do good for others. Do the best you can with what you've got. You'll be contented. And when it's all over, in the sweet by and by and we're in heaven, It'll be these stories you'll remember. We'll all be sitting around in heaven and one day say, do y'all remember when the virus struck? And I'll never forget that I had a chance and I made somebody's life better. That's our goal. So join the kingdom, join the work, help with Creekside, 
whatever you can do. But start with Jesus. If you aren't with Jesus, you need to get with Jesus. Repenting of your sins, confessing his name, being baptized in his name, live for Jesus. And that's what we're teaching all the time. Love for you to be a part of it. God bless you. I hope you have a great day.